In the fall of 2020, I received a bundle of transcripts with a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain, but I am asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are the Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 20. Dead Again. I was 22 the first time I died. I'd been out with friends at this theatre bar we used to go to in the West End. It was one of those nights you can't really zoom in on properly. It's always slightly out of focus. I mainly just remember colourful drinks, ice cubes on the tables, and sweat on my upper lip. And then, of course, I remember how I died. I think it was around three in the morning at that point. The bar was closing soon, so my friends and I decided to move the party along. We all got out on the street, struggling to put our jackets on, laughing and speaking slurred. My feet hurt, and I wanted us to take a cab to the next place. The others started arguing about it. Some of them thought it was too expensive for such a short trip. I wasn't in the mood to listen to that, so I walked out towards the road, looking around for a cab. I was getting really sick of my feet hurting, so I took off one heel, not realising it would mess up my balance. I stumbled and fell onto the road. It was wet with rain. Horns blared, people shouted, an intense pain and then nothing. You'd think that would be the end of it. But next thing I knew, I could open my eyes again. At first, I thought, wow, I survived. I expected to wake up on the road, or in a hospital bed. But I was in a bedroom, a child's bedroom, looking up into a ceiling decorated with plastic stars. I sat up. The room was painted pastel pink. There were little shelves with books, dolls sitting neatly arranged on a dresser, a desk with fluffy-looking pencils. There was a knock on the door, and then a woman came in with a coat on. Honey? It's time to go to school. It was evident that she was talking to me. But why wasn't she surprised to see a 22-year-old woman in a little girl's bedroom? Come on, get dressed. We'll have to get some breakfast on the way. But, a squeaky voice said. My voice. I shut my mouth. Looked down at my hands. It was so small. Chubby kit hands with dirty fingernails. I jumped out of the bed and ran over to the desk where there stood a little mirror. I stood up on my tiptoes to look into it. 
and in it I found a rosy-cheeked, red-haired child looking at me. Honey, we really need to go now, the woman said. I was dreaming. I had to be. I was sure of it. At first, I wanted to scream. It seemed the only reasonable thing to do. But of course, it wasn't. It wouldn't make a difference anyway. Not if it was a dream. Which, of course, it was. So, I decided that I'd better go with it. Where are my clothes? The woman sighed and put her bag down on the floor, went over to the dresser and found a dress and socks for me. She went over to the bed and handed them to me. There you go. It was the most surreal thing I'd ever experienced. I'd completely forgotten what it was like to be a child, to be small and helpless, to rely so much on other people, to make sure you were fed, to take you to places, to give you money if you were lucky, to wash your clothes, to remind you to shower. It was a seriously unpleasant feeling. The woman who called herself my mother drove me to school in her old Ford. Once there, she shoved a sandwich bag into my backpack and waved goodbye to me. I stood by the pavement, waving, wishing I would soon wake up. I went to class. I had a test. I failed that test. I had PE and almost knocked a kid's teeth out playing hockey. Then... It was lunchtime, and we were all sitting outside eating. I watched the other kids play. A girl with pigtails and a scraped knee came over to me. Wanna come play with us? Yeah, okay. I left my backpack on the bench and went with the girl. She was sitting with a bunch of other kids on another bench. We're playing truth or dare, she said and sat down. Your turn. I shrugged, thinking this could go wrong very quickly. Kids are mean little things sometimes. Dare, I said. The girl pouted, clearly trying to think. She said something to a boy sitting next to her, and he took out a bag of candy. Jawbreakers. I dare you to swallow one of these, whole. I don't know what I was thinking, honestly, but for some reason, I took the dare. I put the jawbreaker in my mouth, and I choked on it. I gasped, struggling for air. My eyes filled up with water. The other kids, like dots on a watercolour painting, moved frantically around. Someone put their arms around my midsection trying to get me to spit out the jawbreaker. But it didn't work. I couldn't breathe. And next thing I knew, I was dead. Again. That should have been the end of it. The second time I woke up, it was on a sofa. This room looked like it belonged to a young adult of some kind. Had I woken up in my own apartment? No. The furniture was all wrong. 
so sterile and grey, very dull. The first thing I did was to look down at my hands. They were bigger now, adult hands, but they looked different. They were male hands, bruised and slightly bloodied. I got up from the sofa and looked around, rubbed my eyes with the back of my hand. The apartment looked dark. It was night. I walked around very quietly, trying not to wake up anyone else who might be living there. I found the kitchen and turned on the light in there. On the countertop, there was a phone. My phone? Maybe. I picked it up, realised I didn't know the password. The wallpaper on it was a photograph of a young couple. I turned on the camera. Yep, the young man was me. Feeling sick of not being able to just die in pieces myself, I took a glass out of the cupboard went over to the sink and filled the glass with water. I just put it to my lips when a voice broke through. You're not going to hurt me again. I turned around. The young woman from the photograph stood by the kitchen table, her hair a tangled mess and her lips set in a thin line. A bruise had started to form around her right eye. I don't, the deep male voice coming from my throat began. You don't what? You don't mean it? That's what you always say, isn't it? I didn't mean it, baby, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Well, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to take it anymore. She had started crying. Large tears fell down her face. I wanted to comfort her and tell her that of course she shouldn't take it anymore. It wasn't right. But I couldn't say anything because the person who had hurt her was me. I, I will leave you alone. I promise I will leave and never come back but there was no reassuring her. She had seen too much, experienced too much, and she had made up her mind. I could see it in her eyes. I hadn't noticed it when she came in, but I did now, the knife in her hand. She was going to kill me. No, you're not. You'll never leave me alone. And I'll make sure you can never hurt me again. She lunged forward and stuck the knife into my heart. I slumped onto the floor while she cried. Maybe for the small part of her that still cared for me. For this body, whoever it belonged to. Or maybe for what she had done. The third time I woke up. I was in a retirement home. 
I died of heart failure two days later. The fourth time, it was a plane crash. The fifth, a freak accident involving a falling piano. The sixth, an allergic reaction to shellfish. I've died 133 times so far. Each body is new. Each death is new. I mean, the ways I die often repeat themselves. But the death itself is always different. I wish I could say that it stops hurting after a while. But it doesn't. For now, I'm in the body of a 45-year-old woman. My current name, I checked my driver's license, is Viola Harris. I have a nice house and a sweet little pug. I'll be sorry to leave him behind when I die. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and directed by Lizzie van Trambe. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening.